Hey, Grace Chapel, welcome back to our Acts video series. So grateful to be back with you. And today we are picking back up in Acts chapter 19, starting at verse 21. And Pastor Jimmy's going to read it for us. So now after these events, Paul resolved in the spirit to pass through Macedonia and Achaia and go to Jerusalem saying, after I've been there, I must also see Rome. And having sent into Macedonia two of his helpers, Timothy and Erastus, he himself stayed in Asia for a while. About that time there arose no little disturbance concerning the way. For a man named Demetrius, a silversmith, who had made silver shrines to Artemis, brought no little business to the craftsmen. These he gathered together with the workmen in similar trades and said, Men, you know that from this business we have our wealth. And you see and hear that only in Ephesus... But in almost all of Asia, this Paul has persuaded and turned away a great many people, saying that gods made with hands are not gods. And there's danger not only that this trade of ours may come into disrepute, but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis may be counted as nothing, and that she may even be deposed from her magnificence, she whom all Asia and the world worship. When they heard this, they were in raged and was crying out, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. So the city was filled with confusion, and they rushed together into the theater, dragging with them Gaius and Aristarchus, Macedonians, who were Paul's companion in travel. But when Paul wished to go in among the crowd, the disciples would not let him. And even some of the Asiarchs, who were friends of his, sent to him and were urging him not to venture into the theater. Now some cried out one thing, some another, for the assembly was in confusion, and most of them did not know why they had come together. Some of the crowd prompted Alexander, whom the Jews had put forward, and Alexander, motioning with his hand, wanted to make a defense of the crowd. But when they recognized that he was a Jew, um, I'm sorry, was a Jew, for about two hours they all cried out with one voice, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians! And when the town clerk had quieted the crowd down, he said, Men of Ephesus, who is there that does not know that the city of the Ephesians is temple keeper of the great Artemis and of the sacred stone that fell from the sky? Seeing then that these things cannot be denied, you ought to be quiet and do nothing rash. For you have brought these men here who are neither sacrilegious nor blasphemers of our goddess. If therefore Demetrius and the craftsmen with him have a complaint against anyone, the courts are open and there are proconsuls, let them bring charges against one another. But if you seek anything further, it shall be settled in regular assembly, for we really are in danger of being charged with rioting today, since there is no cause that we can give to justify this commotion. And when they had said these things, he dismissed the assembly. That's quite a story. That's crazy. <laughs> I mean... Yeah, just the level of controversy stirred up when, so Artemis uh, was an idol that the city of Ephesus rallied around and worshipped. Obviously, they're ascribing great value to Artemis and essentially saying, hey, this is how we make our money. Yeah. Like, this is how we make a living. And here comes the Apostle Paul, who is uh, essentially teaching that she has no power, she has no magnificence. And so their idols are threatened, and they respond violently. Right. And it's not just that the the idols would be worthless, and that was their job, right? It was also that their town wouldn't be important. 
mm-hmm. you know, it's sort of like it was a, uh, it had to do with their name as well, like their identity. They, they identified as, um, you know, part of this great city. And, and it almost was like, our city won't matter. We won't, won't matter. matter. And they freaked out. Yeah. Which it, it tells us something. I think the broader, the broader principle out of this passage is really about our own idolatry. Like one of the things um, that we'll, we've talked, we talked about this past Sunday is the fact that, um, you know, the entire storyline of the Bible is essentially saying, you know, God is the only one worthy of worship and all of these lesser things are false. It's God's battle against idolatry. Um, and that's what we see <clears throat> happening in this passage is, you know, there are sort of in the human heart, there is this natural tendency to worship things other than God. And we elevate things that, that without even knowing that's what we're doing. You know, uh, was it, I think it was Calvin that said, uh, the human heart is an idol factory. So we're constantly worshiping these lesser things, and that's what we see happening here. And so what happens is how you know that something is, is an idol for you is when you become incredibly defensive about something, you know? Right. It's a sign that you're, you're actually worshiping something other than Jesus. And when it's taken away, we panic, you know? It's like when something, is, when something that's too important to us is taken away. It, it kind of exposes mm-hmm. that kind of overdependence, mm-hmm. and I, you know, and definitely there's a, this is a a violent reaction, um, an emotional reaction by the people to kind of try to shut this down. But it's also out of order. Yes, like you know, and it's it's surprising actually that it gets settled down. The town clerk settles it down yeah and is like guys this is you know there's we have judges for this we have courtrooms yeah there's a process for how we handle these things right yeah. and and it's it's like he's almost asked to explain like we you know let's not descend into total chaos and and let's let's kind of go through the process here and then yeah. everybody kind of settles down yes um and i think and if, if i read this correctly that paul wanted to go get in the middle of things but they wouldn't let him yeah, that's right. He wanted to go, and they encouraged him not to. The, the The other thing that's fascinating about this is, you know, it mentions the fact that there were a bunch of people there that actually had no idea why they were there. Right. They're like, oh, there's a commotion. Right. And they're just like, oh, what's happening? <laughs> and I think the interesting thing about that is we, we, we want to be a part of something important. Sure. You know, we want to be a part of something that matters. We want to rally around a cause. And I think the danger, at least what's revealed in, in here, is that if we're not careful, we can, we, can, um, we can rally around unrighteous causes yeah. without being, in, you know, if we're not intentional about it, if we're right. not careful about it. It's, e- it's easy to do. You just kind of like follow the crowd over and, you know, well, what's and happening say, over what's here? going on over here? <laughs> and, then, and, and they don't even know why. They're not even upset. No, they just ended up there. Yes, and and they're like uh, part of the riot. And I think you know you you definitely see this in so many different categories in our country. With yeah, you know you, these kind of causes where people are rioting and burning buildings down, and it's sort of like I don't even understand what this is about. Yeah, and some of those people, if you were to sit down and say, "Why did you do that?" They might say, 
I actually have no idea. Right. I don't know why I'm doing these things. I don't know why I'm burning this building I just building got caught now. up in the moment. Right, you know? right. So the crowd itself actually becomes kind of the, the impetus um, for this kind of unrighteous action. Yeah. But, you know, there's a, there's a lot in the story, but I think, yeah, I think probably a good thing to discuss would be like, um, basically, what makes you so angry in your life, what is it, and and whatever makes you that angry is is a potential for being possibly an idol. Because mm-hmm. if it's taken away, if it's poked at, if it's removed, and you're you're having a rage response, mm-hmm. um, then probably, yeah, you know, you know, you have to look at it and go, is this thing an idol? Yeah, and so that'd be a good question to discuss with the group. Yeah, and I, I think one of the things too is, what then does it look like? to tear down our idols. Like all throughout the Old Testament, there's moments where um, the Israelites had to go tear down the high places, right? So the places that were idolized and worshiped, there was a call from God to tear those things down. And, um, And it's because God knows that the only thing that we can genuinely worship and not be destroyed by is Him, right? And so you know, what is it that we're currently most defensive about that we're clinging to, you know, so tightly that we're actually not trusting God? Um, and and uh, even amongst your group, just discussing, yeah, w- what does it look like to tear that idol down? And how do we go about doing that? Awesome. Well, a fascinating passage, a lot in there. And uh, w- w- our prayer for you is that you, in your discussion or e- even in your uh, reflection individually on this passage, that the Lord would speak to you and help you place Jesus in the ultimate place of worship and that he would help you tear down whatever idols are in your heart. God bless you, church. We'll talk to you soon.